Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. To commemorate the life of Rutger Hauer, we are having Hauergist. This week in Hauergist, Hobo with a Shotgun and Blind Fury. If you can't see it, you can't shoot it. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Ten Houser Gate. All those moments will be lost in time. Like tears. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. And you guys thought I forgot that we are going to do Slater September again this year, didn't you? Uh, I didn't forget that you were going to do it. I forgot <laughs> that it's even a thing that exists. Yeah. <laughs> you know how many times I've slept since last September? About 365 times. Yeah, almost every day. <laughs> it kind of fucking blows my mind that we're doing Slater September again. <laughs> <laughs> I, honestly, I just I, I got the new Cuffs Blu-ray from Shout Factory. <laughs> That's all of, it is. Kind of really just wanted an excuse to watch it. So we'll do an entire month's worth of shows. Yeah, I didn't even look at what you put on the list. Well, we got pump up the volume. Makes along sense with uh, pirate radio. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, cuffs, and I really had a hard one with this, but I decided to go with if looks could kill the Richard Grieco. <laughs> uh, I'm on a school trip, and somehow everybody thinks I'm a spy movie. All right. Uh, Dolan's Cadillac because it's a Stephen King story. I teamed that up with Riding the Bullet, the McGarris Stephen King movie. Uh, and True Romance and Natural Born Killers because that's another one that Tarantino wrote but didn't direct. I'll be honest, out of that entire list, I'm the most excited about watching uh, Natural Born Killers. Yeah, I watched it uh, probably not too long after it came out. And I do, do not remember enjoying it. So. Oh, I liked it a lot in the 90s. I watched it over and over and over again. Yeah, I've seen it a lot of times. Oh, I'm looking. There is five Mondays in September. We may have to find another Slater movie to put on this list. 
That would be so awesome to not do that. <laughs> in the month early and do something else. Maybe like uh, very, very bad things and uh, what's another one where they accidentally kill a hooker and everything spirals out of control because that's actually a pretty broad genre of movies. Uh, dead hooker yeah. in the trunk? Yeah, but that would just make me sad. <laughs> no, it doesn't like it when dead hookers get put in trunks. Well, no, it's more because the Sasuke sisters. I'm going to be like, yeah, the Sasuke sisters, they were awesome before. I know. I was thinking about them this week because for some reason I associate Hobo with a shotgun with a dead hooker in a trunk. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. Movies, movies with very literal titles? <laughs> Maybe. I guess it's legitimately just a hobo with the shotgun. I like when he names himself. I forgot about that part. <laughs> uh, well, I, I don't know. I guess since we're talking about it, we should just jump in. Doug, since you're Canadian, do you uh, do you want to tell everybody about Hobo with a Shotgun? Uh, hobo with a Shotgun is a movie about a hobo, and then he gets a shotgun. And I... I could I could give you a better plot description, but that's kind of it. He comes to town. He doesn't like what he sees. Um, he tries to do something about it, but he finds that the police are corrupt, so he decides, fuck it, I'll start my own lawn maintenance company. <laughs> when he goes to buy a lawnmower, more bad shit's going down, so he just goes on a rampage and kills everybody with a shotgun. But he's Rutger Hauer, so it's way better than that plot description makes it sound. Well, I mean, that's true, I guess. <laughs> I mean, as far as plot points go in the movie, I mean, without going through, like, and then he shoots this guy, oh, and yeah. then he, you know, we'll get into, I'm sure, a lot of the specifics. Um, there's there's a lot of metaphors about bears. Yes. <laughs> More than you would expect in a Grindhouse movie. Not the sexy kind. No. Actual bear metaphors. <laughs> The sad kind. Oh. And the terrible sweater kind. You say terrible sweater, I say pretty fantastic sweater. <laughs> I mean, listen, you put that sweater on anybody but Rudger Hauer, and it's a douchey sweater. Put it on okay. him, it looks cool, because it's him. That sweater is worn by grandparents across this fine nation of Canada. They always buy them at the truck stops for some reason and decide they got to wear them. <laughs> I don't know exactly why. Uh, well, the interesting thing about this movie is it's it's a spinoff from the Grindhouse movie from Tarantino and uh, Rodriguez. Yeah. But cause they had some big uh, contests where these ask people to make like grindhousey trailers and send them in and then uh the supposed uh, reward was they would show the one they liked the best in front of the movie but it appeared that that only really happened like in canada oh. so like when i went and saw this there was no hobo with a shotgun beforehand oh which i was disappointed oh. with i am just learning this now yeah I mean, I kind of knew about it because I kept up to date, like, with what was going on. But, uh, yeah, we didn't get the hobo down here in the United States. Yeah. That's, I feel bad for you guys now. I think it's on YouTube if you really want to watch it. It oh, is no, 2019. 
<laughs> I waited and got the the Blu-ray of Grindhouse when it came out, and it's on yeah. there. Okay. But, yeah, just not in the theaters for some reason. I don't. I don't know what the deal was. I mean, the trailer and then the this movie itself is unabashedly Canadian. It is like <laughs> there are just mobs of people running around with hockey sticks at any given time. There's Put on a few like for some reason. Yeah, there's a there's a few uh, like cameos from Canadian celebrities in this that I'm like I don't wow. like the uh, you know the news reporter guy that gets a skate thrown at his chest. Yeah. That guy went on shortly after this to become the host of Hockey Night in Canada. So, (laughs) technically, that was foreshadowing from a Canadian perspective. I mean, can we all agree on the point of Hobo with a Shotgun is what trauma movies are supposed to be but fail at? Yeah. I was going to say, it's weird how I usually do not like uh, trauma movies. And this feels like it should take place in Traumaville. And for some reason, it doesn't bother me in this movie like it does in trauma movies. Right. It's it's this is very much a trauma esque script of a movie, but made with like some by somebody who gives a shit to not make it shitty. Yeah. If yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> no, I agree. Like it's got all of the trauma elements. Like. There's a scene in this where a homeless guy crawls into the box where he lives and somebody crushes the box and it just explodes in blood. <laughs> like, that's a very trauma-like scene, but the people filming it chose to film it in as though it were part of a real movie instead of that ridiculousness that trauma does. Yeah, and like the scene with just a bunch of topless girls beating a guy with baseball bats like he's a pinata. yeah. Yeah, Have I mentioned that this movie is awesome? <laughs> <laughs> it is rather enjoyable. The The blood and guts meter is real high, and all of that's real good. Uh, I I would say my biggest complaint is Rudger Hauer is a very, very good actor, and I think the guy who plays the main evil guy, Drake, while he may not be the best actor in the world, he's very charismatic, and that character draws you in. And having those two characters on the screen with all these other soggy, shitty, like, TV actors <laughs> surrounding them. Are you saying Slick and Ivan are not good actors? No. I yeah, like the They're bad actors. <laughs> I disagree. I think they were going for a certain type of performance, and you probably didn't like the type of performance they chose, but I think they do what they're doing well. I, like it, It's ridiculous. I can't deny that. It's I mean, like if, if what cheesy. they're doing is pretending to be actors, pretending to be people, then yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. They're good at doing that. I mean, they're definitely doing something different than what Rucker Howard is doing, because he gives this really weird performance in this, where he takes seems to be taking everything so damn seriously, even though it's clearly ridiculous, and it achieves a perfect level of camp for this type of movie, where you just you're not bothered by the blood and the guts and the gore, because we're all just having a good time, but we also get to care about our main character just enough that we want to follow him for an hour and a half. Indeed. Andy shoots a guy's dick off. Yeah. After After duct taping his gun to it. Yeah, spends time duct taping the end of the shotgun to it. 
which is really unnecessary. <laughs> he could have just shot his dick off and then saved a bunch of time. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess when you're a hobo, you don't have a lot of things to do with your day, so. And the guy who gets his uh, head ripped off at the beginning, that's one of the uh, trailer park boys, right? Yes, it is. Uh, so that'd be one of those Canadian celebrities. Yeah. yeah I've never been a big so. uh, trailer park boys fan. I've never really watched it, but. Uh, the only thing's funny about it, it's the weird dude that's super into cats. <laughs> and the rest of that show's just, I mean, it's it's kind of like workaholics, but less funny. Ouch. They're just douches who do too much drugs, and that's the entire shtick of the show. They also live in a trailer park. Hence the name Trailer Park Boys. That's true. And one of them gets arrested every other episode. Yeah. Almost in a in a they killed Kenny esque way, but just a Kenny <laughs> getting arrested. You bastards. <laughs> Anyways, that is a pretty badass scene when he gets his head torn off. I love that. The, the barbed wire noose. Jesus. Yeah. With the head in the uh, sticking out of the manhole cover. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, this is the whole Tromaville part of it. Like, there's people just running around killing people in the streets, and nobody seems to care. No. It, it, I hadn't thought about it in those terms, but the Tromaville comparison is very apt. It's like just this t- ridiculous over-the-top town that he happens to ride into where you know, gangs are just completely and utterly rampant to the point of, like, just, I, I don't even know how to put it. Like, you're just walking down the street and there's just gangs everywhere. And, uh, you know, murder, ha- like you say, murder is happening in the streets. Just people just throwing bags of cocaine at each other. <laughs> <laughs> just like in the local arcade people just have like cocaine on top of the machines to do while they're like playing and stuff I really like the one where the the kid that comes in uh, turns in the other guy and they're like yeah good job and they literally like throw a giant sandwich baggie full of cocaine at him <laughs> I like a teenage kid who was just on the phone trying to get his allowance from his mom <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, two of our characters literally walk onto a school bus full of children and just set it on fire with a flamethrower. Yeah. That was a dark fucking scene. (laughs) (laughs) That was just... When they get on that bus and I'm like, oh yeah, right, because I hadn't seen this in a while. And I'm just like, oh, they're going to flamethrower those kids. That's not good. Yeah, and it's just it leads up to it for a good, like just the right amount of time I'd say where he's like talking to them and asking them questions and stuff, and you're like, it's just enough for you to go, oh, he's gonna do it, he's gonna do it, ah, oh, he did it, god damn it! I think the worst part of that whole scene is that the bus driver just kind of immediately fucks off. Just, just he's like, oh, us. they're gonna murder these children. I'm out of here. Yeah, he just sees a, a flamethrower, and he's like, oh, fuck this, and just runs off as the kids board the bus. What a douche what was he gonna do say hey don't bring that flamethrower on this bus (laughs) what if you told him there's a there's be a rule against flamethrowers on the bus so that would have stopped him (laughs) sorry guys but i got this sign and it's a flamethrower with a little cross through it i think uh probably my favorite part of the entire movie is that the bum fight surrogate guy gets uh (laughs) murdered pretty badly yeah, in in which, like the guys in real life deserve that, so it's nice to see 
the movie version of them get it. Oh, and they that the over the top, almost cartoonish nature of that, where they like force him to chew on glass to get enough money mm. to go buy his lawnmower and stuff. You just like, all right, those guys have earned it. You can shoot them now. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, chewing on glass—that's fucked. I think my favorite scene in the whole movie has got to be though when he escapes by hiding underneath the corpse of a police officer he's recently killed <laughs> and then when the that hooker that he's always hanging out with when she's like okay you can come out now he like climbs up through the fucking <laughs> guts of the body instead of moving it out of the way uh, that was my favorite part of the movie I'm just like that is so gross and disgusting. it's a great line necessary because he, he goes through the guts and then he goes ugh you're disgusting <laughs> 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 So the funny thing is, apparently, Jason Eisner, who um, wrote and directed this, wanted the original dude to play the hobo in it and offered it to him. And that guy was like, uh, I don't know if I'm good enough to run a whole movie. Oh, really? So they got Rucker Hauer instead. It's like, Jesus Christ. Going from like zero to a hundred, like out of nowhere. Well, yeah, because... I don't know if this movie would work with anyone else in that role. Like, he's perfect for it. He looks right for it. Like I say, he's got that presence, that attitude that he's able to carry. And, like, he can do all this shit with a serious look on his face and not seem ridiculous. And not, like, that, I mean, that might be a major difference between this and a trauma movie is that, like, when he does ridiculous shit, it doesn't come across as ridiculous. Yeah, and like the words coming out of his mouth actually hold some gravitas rather than just yeah being goofy. Yeah, I think like just that, and then when they have the down scenes, like when he the first day when he like gets beaten in the cop station and everything, and then he meets back up with that hooker, and they go back to her apartment. And everything is kind of quiet for a few minutes, and they're actually just talking, and that's where some of the bear metaphor talk comes from. But, yeah, yes, there are still bear metaphors and stuff, but he's able to carry those scenes as well. Like, it's not all... doesn't doesn't have to all be over-the-top violence and gore. You can have some quiet time, because it's Rudger Hauer. We're all interested in what he has to say. Right. And even whenever he, once again, when they're making those nonsense metaphors and stuff, you still got behind him. Like at the end, whenever he says, ah, bears don't belong in a zoo. And you're like, oh shit, he's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> I totally understand him now from all those previous bear metaphors. Turns out those bear metaphors were, uh, they were like Chekhov's bear metaphors where they had yeah. to come back at the end of the movie. Yeah, I don't know if you picked up on this, Noah, but he's the bear. Yeah. Took me, took me three or four bear metaphors before I figured out <laughs> while he was wearing the bear sweater that he was the bear. <laughs> the guy, wait, the guy with the giant, the guy with the giant bear on his shirt who was talking to that other girl about bears the whole time. He meant himself. Weird. Strange. Did we also mention probably uh, could go down in history as having one of the greatest last lines of a movie? I really like it. We're, We're on it. We are taking a car ride to hell, and you're riding shotgun, and he <laughs> shoots the guy in the face. <laughs> yeah, I just, it is kind of fun that it just sort of ends in that 
60s, 70s movie kind of way where you don't get to see any of the aftermath. Like, literally, he shoots the dude. He gets mowed down by the cops. Spoiler alert. And then we just clo- close up on the on his hand and the gun on the on the ground and then roll credits. Yeah. I really liked that final shot. I missed the final line of dialogue because I was too busy, like, cheering for that head explosion that comes <laughs> when he pulls the trigger. Art. Are you guys a little disappointed that we never got a sequel that was about the plague? I feel like there should be. Yeah, I I would not object to that. The weird like Cthulhu cult that just shows up in the middle of it. And they've they've been responsible for most of the assassinations in global history, and now they've been called in to deal with a hobo. Well, because it's just the thing where he's like, she killed Binder, now she must join the plague. And I was like, I want to see that movie. I want to see the movie where the one-armed chick joins the plague. Well, she would not have been one-armed because in the deleted scenes, she gets like a Gatling gun attached to her arm. So she would have mm-hmm. had that. I was going to say uh, alternate ending. She's going to get a Gatling gun attached to her arm, which would have been pretty badass, too. Although getting her hand cut off with the lawnmower and then stabbing a dude with the bone that's coming out of her stump. <laughs> so yeah. badass. Shanking a dude with your nub. Well, I can't believe like it's one. This is one of those movies that like I've seen it, so I knew what was going to happen. But still, I'm like, I can't believe they're just going to show us her whole hand getting shoved into that. Though there it goes. So I guess I believe it. Not only do they show it, it's slow. Like yeah. you expect it kind of to be a like a whap 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 cut away. You know what I mean, type of thing. And instead, like you see the fingers go, see some hand go. Takes a while. I respect that about this movie. It does not hold back at all. They were like, "We need something grindhousey." All right, you asked for it. <laughs> uh, and awesomely, she gets a montage too towards the end. Yeah, but she busts into like the pawn shop, and then she just yeah creates her her lawnmower shield and various armor pieces. Yeah. Good thing that pawn shop had that arc welder and a bunch of other <laughs> construction equipment along with, you know, guitar amplifiers and 30-year-old television sets like a pawn shop normally has. Had an arc welder, had a blowtorch. Yeah. <sighs> Plus, she knew how to use all that equipment and how to manufacture things. Well, that's because she wanted to be a teacher. Yeah. I don't well, understand. I don't think she wanted to be a teacher the hobo wanted her to be a teacher he kept telling her he just kept telling her to be a teacher and she's like well I'm already a hooker though I already have a job Uh, I don't know anything else obviously we all three of us enjoyed it greatly yeah I mean it's just ridiculous and over the top violence and gore for like an hour and a half with a few scattered scenes of bare metaphors just for fun. <laughs> right. Like even when like when the plague showed up and you see that background and you can see that they're responsible for like assassinating like Abraham Lincoln and shit. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is ridiculous. But then again, considering it's in this movie, I guess it is every right to be ridiculous, so I'm just gonna let this go. And we saw well, I like the plague video game. Earlier, yeah. earlier in the movie. I love the fact that the one guy's only weapon is like he carries around nooses. 
that are attached to harpoons, and he nooses people and then harpoons the ceiling to hang them. <laughs> and all That's I could great. think was, even if that rope is fairly lightweight, how many of those can you reasonably carry at a time? <laughs> like, You asked yes, about a man a certain... who, who bought a $50 shotgun and then never ran out of bullets? Hey, that's where that extra money went. I'm sure he had some cans to turn in or something. Isn't there some kind of weird hobo <laughs> stereotype there? Well, the shopping cart got destroyed at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. That was one of the things that upset him the most, I think. That's really what caused all of this. I kind of really wish that had been the snapping point and just his cart getting wrecked. He was like, nope, fuck it, kill everyone. <laughs> like you're all bastards now you're all gonna die i liked the uh mini plot twist in the middle where they're like we need to pad this movie so let's have the drake spread anti-hobo propaganda <laughs> and then the, the townsfolk will just start randomly killing the homeless <laughs> that seems about right I, I don't even understand how someone could justify putting that in a script but yeah let's just say the when the chick finally makes her big speech about being homeless and sometimes you need a hobo with a shotgun to clean up the streets, <laughs> that actress is not good enough to carry that speech. Even even I was like, Ugh. <laughs> she's not bad. Boo. You wanted to go boo? If I'd have been in that crowd, I'd been like, fuck it, torture. <laughs> I don't think she's that bad. Yeah, she's not great bad. or anything. Yeah, like she's just low-budget film actress. So. Um, as the movie was ending, Amanda said to me, oh, that was sufficiently bad. To which then I said, you're sufficiently bad. And then she's like, no, no, I'm saying it achieved what it was going for. It's <laughs> just to purposefully be a bad movie. And I was like, well, you're still sufficiently bad. So It, tr- it tried so hard to be a bad movie and ended up being a good movie. <laughs> It really is. It might be the best example of around that era where they just decided to make grindhouse movies again, even though it was there was no need for grindhouse movies in the two thousands. This might be the best example of one that just like full on balls to the wall grindhouse, no questions asked, no fucking weird gimmicks. No, it's just we decided to make a grindhouse movie in two thousand and seven. Want to see some heads explode? We got that. Yeah, one of only two uh, Grindhouse spinoffs, which is unfortunate. Yeah, you remember at the time we thought all of those trailers, all of those will become movies. Mm-hmm. Nope. <sighs> which is strange after the rip-roaring success of Machete. Shut your mouth. Machete was good. Machete was good. Like I said, I rip-roaring success. I wasn't being like sarcastic. <laughs> Seriously, that movie made a bunch of money. I would argue that this movie probably made a bunch of money, too, by this movie's standards. Like, neither of them are going to open number one at the box office, but they're made on low money, and everybody's seen them, so they they must make a profit, I would think, but I don't know. Let's see. Let's see what Wikipedia has to tell us. Um, Oof. Well, apparently the budget was $3 million. It says the box office was only, like... Eight hundred and thirty-four thousand. Yeah, but a movie like this isn't designed to make money in theaters. It's designed to make no. money on disc and streaming, For sure. right? For sure. I mean, I don't think it had a big, um, 
a big uh, theatrical release, but I don't know. May have been enough for them not to want to do anything else with it. Let's see what uh, let's see what old machete made. Machete. Still waiting for Machete kills in space. Uh, yeah, budget ten point five million, box office forty four point one million. See, I thought they had announced a couple years ago that they were filming it. Yeah, so did I. But maybe Mel Gibson got in trouble again. Oof. Probably. Right. Budget went up to twenty million. Box office was only fifteen. Mm. That might be your answer right there. That's what they get for Gibsoning up that movie. So in 2015, Treo told Halloween Daily News, apparently that's a website, that the third film is happening. I want to see it, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, all right. Noah, do you want to tell us all about uh, Blind Fury? Sure. Blind Fury is about a uh, Vietnam soldier who gets blinded and, of course, magically bumps into a magical uh, Asian man who teaches him to fight. <laughs> blind with a sword because you know it was that time it was that time so there's always just a magical Asian man waiting wow. around the corner this this is a special level of racism though because he runs into a Vietnamese guy who teaches him like kung fu they don't even make him run into it like a Japanese guy to teach him it's like <laughs> it's it's pretty obvious how racist be, that is, but the guy's Vietnamese. He's teaching him Vietnamese swordplay. You know that famous Vietnamese <laughs> swordplay. Because <laughs> the movie, I don't either intentionally or unintentionally calls itself out later when they bring in another swordsman to fight him, and they, that guy's Japanese. <laughs> they they even say that in dialogue. It's like, oh, okay, I guess I guess you guys know that that's where he should have gone to get his training. Uh, uh, there's a specific reason, but I'll get into it later. Yeah. So our our David Banner ass walking down the road hero uh, goes back to America to get closure with his best friend from Vietnam. Uh, unfortunately, that guy is in Vegas being shook down by Vegas. weird Reno. Fucking Reno. It's, little that Vegas. whole fucking that whole state the same goddamn Vegas. thing. Uh, <laughs> just slot machines as far as the eye can see right it's just are you in the part with the gambling or the hookers like you're one or the other because <laughs> uh, beyond uh, popular belief you actually uh, don't get both at the same place exactly uh, you can I've been to Vegas I mean it's not <laughs> well legally legal. I don't know. I don't know about all your fancy rules, but I know there was like the hookers didn't do a good job of hiding themselves inside the casinos. <laughs> Did the hooker do a good job on. of sneaking out of your room after the job was done? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Answer the trap question. Answer it. <laughs> uh, so he goes back to get closer once again. Guys getting shook down to make drugs because now he's a chemist. Apparently uh, he's Walter White before. Breaking yeah, he's was even he, yeah of. he's pre Walter White. He he, he actually even meth. makes blue meth. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> Which we should mention, played by Terry O'Quinn, who I forgot was in this movie. Uh, so goes to the house. It's just the wife and the son because he's left. 
Uh, bad guys show up to kidnap the son, shoot the mom. She says, hey, you stranger, take my child. <laughs> to be fair, there is a Do not call the him. ambulance. <laughs> there take is a picture child. of him yeah. sitting on the on the on the table full of pictures. So he might right. be able to be trusted. But plus take, she's take... gonna be dead and there's not a lot of options in front of her. The guy who shot me, the guy who didn't shoot me. Uh right. the guy who didn't shoot me, you take the kid. My first option's called the ambulance, but <laughs> take take my child and deliver him as a, a fine second choice. <laughs> Uh, and so basically this turns into the movie Dutch with a blind swordsman <laughs> right yeah, I mean, it that's does. what happens here you're not wrong uh, yeah uh, so funny funny blind swordsman stuff uh, there's this weird line that they're trying to walk where this is almost it's very peachy 13-y for what you'd think it would be but on the other hand, it has moments that you're like, oh, well, they wouldn't put that in a PG-13 movie. Oh, you mean where he cuts the cop's hand off? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we see where it fall he... to the floor. <laughs> or cuts the guy in half at the end. Yeah. Uh, so Dutch, for the next third of the movie, last third of the movie, they meet up with the friend, rescue him, and then go all full-blown, gotta kill everybody, get the kid back. And uh, save the day. Yeah. And uh, sword fight on top of an electrified hot tub. Yep. Yeah. So what does everybody think of Blind Fury? I actually saw this movie on TV when I was, like, younger and remembered very little about it. I was actually expecting this movie to be worse than what it was. Because <laughs> I only remember seeing bits and pieces of it. And rewatching it, I'm like... You know what? No, this is pretty fun. I like this movie. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, I like. I went in blind. No pun intended. I, I knew nothing. <laughs> I knew nothing about this movie except for like the box art, and uh, I was pretty happy with what we got because it knows. I mean, I think this is what you were alluding to with it trying to be PG thirteen. It knows it's ridiculous, and it's just having fun with it. It's like yeah. Let's have him uh, drop his stick out the window, and then they all have to stop in the middle of a car chase and look for it. That makes sense. Let's have that in the middle of our movie. like Stuff like that, where you're just like, they obviously know that this is ridiculous. They're fine with it. But they went and they got Rutger Hauer and Terry O'Quinn, who can pull it off, and they stuck him in there. Yeah, the car chase where the blind guy is driving is pretty fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. His random shit talking throughout the movie is very entertaining. <laughs> of course it is. They did yeah. a really good job of writing his uh his Ash esque one liners very well. <laughs> I did like him and the kid, like the fact they didn't like each other. And so at one point, like, he's walking and then like slips in a mud puddle and completely falls down, and the kid starts like double over stomach laughing at him and I'm like you're <laughs> laughing at a blind guy and then he takes off running and then falls and he's like oh my knee and then of course Rucker Howard just starts laughing at him I'm just like this is horrible you're laughing at children for hurting himself and the child was laughing at a blind guy yeah but that was their that was their bonding moment they got along well after that 
<laughs> like, see, we both fell in the mud. We're the same, you and me. And now they're friends. Which they just <laughs> you. clean up. They just get on the you get on the <laughs> bus. I'm sure the bus driver was like, uh, you're covered in mud. You're not sitting on my my upholstered seats. Oh, yeah, because the extent to which they were covered was just ridiculous. It was like, <laughs> again, it was cartoonish the way they had, like, just splashed around in the puddle of just head to toe. Do you guys have a favorite uh, one-liner from the movie? Mm. I honestly don't remember. Yeah, me neither. There were a lot of good ones, but... Mine is definitely whenever he's threatening the weird fat evil guy that's there for no reason and he like swings the sword really fast and you think he cut his face but instead the guy's like eyebrows just fall off (laughs) and then he goes I also do circumcisions (laughs) fair enough (laughs) so how do we think uh, Rucker Howard did in this I, I think he's really good I think he captures the camp of the movie just perfectly and it's weird because obviously the last movie was campy and this movie's campy, but he gives a completely different performance. Mm. And he gives the one that's appropriate for this sort of kid friendly blind man movie. Um, and I don't know what it is. Like, he's just, he's lighthearted enough that when he makes the little wisecracking jokes, you kind of just smile along with him. I was going to say, weirdly enough, the most ridiculous of the two, Hobo with the shotgun, uh, is his more serious role? <laughs> well, it, yeah, because he did what he needed to do to ground that movie. This movie is relatively grounded, so he doesn't need to do that, right? He doesn't need to take that serious tone. And like, like you said, I think it's trying to be a little more kid-friendly. You like to be lighthearted and campy and fun. So he does that. It's Watching two Rudger Hauer movies back-to-back, is, it's really impressive how good an actor he is. Looks like we're coming around to Noah's side. Noah's a big Rutger yes. Hauer fan. Yes, yes. <laughs> come, come to the Hauer side. Let's look. I'm acknowledging two good performances from Fred Grauer. I am not aligning myself with Noah by any stretch of the imagination. Soon, soon. <laughs> um, so the interesting thing is apparently this movie is a remake of a was it a Japanese movie? Sounds about right. It's called the Toichi Challenged from 1967. Okay, um, I don't like that title at all. By the way, no, because challenged is their way of saying he's blind, right? It's just like a anti-blind statement. Um, That's how uh, I read it. It says, after an artist is threatened by the Yakuza into creating valuable but highly illegal pornography, the law aims to execute him. Uh, Z, whatever his fucking name is, having been honor-bound to protect the man and his family, must now run against the law. It doesn't doesn't sound sound exactly the same. (laughs) Sounds very different. It sounded like they really, like, somebody saw that and saw Dutch and then merged the two. (laughs) Is is that Japanese person also trained by a tiny Vietnamese man? Okay, well, here we go. Here's more of a storyline. So it says, Ichi is staying in an inn when a woman dies. Her dying wish is that Ichi take her, her son to his father, an artist living in a nearby town. 
After arriving in the town, Ichi finds out that the father has been forced by a local boss to create illegal pornography to pay off his gambling debts. Ichi makes his mission to save the man and reunite the family, even though it brings him into conflict with a samurai he sort of befriended on his way to the town. Okay, so that sounds a little more similar. Yeah, that's a little closer. Um, so the weird thing is, Tim Matheson is the producer on this. And he wanted to get into producing and actually brought that movie to another uh, producer and was like, we should do a remake of this. And this movie is is what came what came out of it. And apparently, I don't know, it must have been strenuous because he never produced another movie ever again. Also, apparently there was a sequel that was going to happen. But it didn't happen. Well, that makes sense to me because I don't uh, I really don't understand the ending of the movie <laughs> I'll, I'll be 100% honest the way that this movie plays out this movie seems a lot like a made for TV pilot for an ongoing series of yeah. those blind swordsmen David Banner-esque wandering from town yeah. to town yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say it's the 80s so your show is just you go from town to town helping people. Yeah. And he would have, every now and again, they, they would have shown that dinosaur that he caught from the kid that to remind you of them back to the original story of the movie and his motivation. But at the end of the movie, when they're all moving to San Francisco for some reason, and the kids just, now he's all happy. He forgot that his mom's dead. And so they're all going to get on a bus and go to San Francisco. And, uh, then Rector Howard's like, Nope last second after I already let you guys put the money down for the ticket I'm just going to drift off into the sunset and <laughs> off my own for no reason uh, which him and his dad are going to move to San Francisco and that means his dad is definitely cured of his gambling addiction that he has so yeah he's not going to like sell them out into slavery in the next like two weeks yeah well it's also too when you're destitute and have nothing left San Francisco's a real affordable place to move to <laughs> if you're if you're thinking about moving to San Francisco and your plan to get there is by taking the bus, you can't afford to move to San Francisco. <laughs> it's a, it's a, just a rule of thumb right there. Um, and so, okay, and then, yeah, the Japanese swordsman guy at the end is Sho Kasuki. And apparently he was in just about every ninja-type movie in the 80s. I believe that. The 80s had this stable of actors that were just in everything, depending on what you needed them to do. Yeah, Enter the Ninja, Revenge of the Ninja, Ninja 3, The Domination, Nine Deaths of the Ninja, Pray for Death, Rage of Honor, Aloha Summer. Ninja. <laughs> just so Wait. you guys know, Ninja 3, The Domination, I might have to force you guys to watch that fucking travesty of a film someday. <laughs> I'd like to get back to the last title on Brian's list because that one stood out to me. Aloha what was summer. that? Aloha yeah. Summer. yeah. It doesn't sound like it would have a ninja in it. Uh, it's the 60s and a bunch of crazy teenagers meet in the beautiful island of Hawaii during their summer holidays. Although they come from different backgrounds, they hang out together and... Let's see full summary. Get attacked by ninjas. Uh... Together and shake up the island, they surf, dance, drink, fight, and fall in love. As the summer approaches its end, they find themselves inseparable 
friends for a lifetime. Yeah, I didn't hear you say ninja at all in that description. <laughs> Ooh, Tia Carrera's in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, so this dude's not even listed on, like, the, the actual, like, cast page. Like, you know, first build. He must be, like, deep in the full cast. So I'm sure he was, like, guy at bar or something. Yeah. Maybe they just watched one of his ninja movies during this movie. <laughs> yes, apparently they thought enough of him to give him his own special appearance credit in the movie. And apparently if you were a big fan of these movies, when he shows up at the end, you're like, oh my god, that's that dude. So, yeah, I don't know. The movie the movie was decent enough. Um, I apparently only remembered like five minutes of the movie, which was towards the beginning. So it was interesting to watch the rest of it. Like I said, I didn't remember Terry O'Quinn being in it. And I like Terry O'Quinn, so I was excited. <laughs> oh yeah, and the other guy, the uh, the kind of second to end bad guy is uh, God. What the fuck is that guy's name? It's the bad guy from The Golden Child, the one who plays the dumb guy. <laughs> he yeah, made it. He okay. made it. He made an entire career out of being like bad guy number three in eighties movies. <laughs> uh, so estimated ten million ten million dollar budget, it grossed two million six hundred ninety two dollars. Oh no! Yeah, did not do well. Do we? Do you have the rating in front of you? Uh, let's see. Rated R. Yeah, there's your problem right there. Yeah. That's this. This is a movie that ought to have been PG thirteen to show a little less of that hand falling to the ground. <laughs> Say too much choppy choppy of the hand. Maybe too many Vietnam flashbacks for everybody. Yeah. So yeah, you, we should mention Terry Quinn's a dick and just completely left him <laughs> to get shot <laughs> up by people. But he learns his lesson because then he runs off during the final fight. But he's really just gone to help. Somehow, to get Rand- just, cocktails. Yeah, Randall Cobb. That's the guy's name. <laughs> AKA uh, Tex. I was gonna say Randall quote Tex Cobb. Um, yeah. So apparently, the scene where they're making the Molotov cocktails or whatever the fuck you want to call them had to be edited in Britain because he says it's gasoline mixed with uh, laundry detergent. I don't know what that does but apparently they decided they didn't want that that in the movie because they felt like it would be suggesting to people of how to make such things because i guess they never would have figured out just putting gasoline in a bottle and throwing it yeah it seems like adding anything else to that bottle is not going to make it less like more flammable <laughs> it's going to be weird all right does anybody got anything else for blind fury no that's about it it's pretty straightforward <laughs> Yeah, it's really good, which is surprising to me, I guess. I kind of thought I'd be laughing at the movie and thinking it was ridiculous, but it's well put together. It's The performances are charismatic enough, except for the kid. You know, the kid was terrible, but he's a kid. They're supposed to be terrible in movies. So... Yeah, I don't know. He went on to be one of the kids on Step by Step. Sure. <laughs> and in this particular step, he failed. But 
he might have done better later on. I don't remember step by step well enough to comment on whether he's a good actor on that. He was the douchey one. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Uh, did anybody watch anything since last week? No, you got anything? Uh, I watched a couple things. What? Uh, you'll, you'll be disappointed. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I started re-watching uh, Mr. Bean. <laughs> The whole TV oh, yeah. show. That's not disappointing. I love Mr. Bean. Yeah. Guess what? It's just as fucking funny. It doesn't get any <laughs> less funny over time. I think uh I think it would be less funny if you rewatched it over and over in a like short span of time. But just pulling it out every once in a while and watching it, it's, it's fucking hilarious. Uh, and then besides that, I'm not completely through it yet, but I started watching The Boys. Oh, yeah, I'm, on about, I'm yeah. on about episode eight, and it's fucking phenomenal. It's really good. I've heard. Yeah, they fucking, they could not have done this better. It doesn't follow the comic book exactly, uh, but like, yeah. It's it's fucking serious. There's a fight scene in episode five that that I would argue it it doesn't uh, rival the hallway fight scene from the first season of Daredevil, but it may be better than it in a completely different way. <laughs> it's just somebody does something real fucked up, and you're like, "What the fuck is happening right now?" Yeah, I don't think it's fair to compare this movie to anything, any of the Marvel series because it's a, it's a very different beast. Yeah, yeah, like, and it's just, it's fantastic. And uh, for a warning for anybody who's going into a blind that doesn't know anything about it, it's it's darker me. than you, it's darker than you think it is. Not really. Yep. I thought it was pretty dark. I mean, I kind of knew what it was about. I knew it's, uh, it's Warren Ellis, so I was like, well. well. Yeah. yeah, I would I would say uh, you just got to be prepared for how fantastically fucking gross the characters actually are. Yeah, there isn't there aren't a lot of good guys in the boys. I would say not any. I would argue not no good guys at all. Yeah, yep. Um, I agree. Well, maybe one, maybe who? one good guy. Who? Maybe, maybe Starlight. <sighs> Yeah, but she starts out as like, I guess she's the only one that improves over the course of the show instead of gets worse. <laughs> but she starts out as not such a good one. So I do think the show does a good job of easing you into how dark and evil it's going to get. Um, it starts like episode one is like when Starlight is joining the Justice League there, and she has to blow Aquaman to it's like her initiation, <laughs> and it's like. You you see that, and when it's when it's like episode one, you're like, oh god, I can't believe they went there in a superhero show. But that's baby steps towards how dark this fucking show gets. <laughs> I think, 
I don't know what might agree with me. Maybe the uh, the airplane scene was probably the pinnacle of darkness for me, where I'm just like, I can't believe they fucking did that. And then he holds that press conference after, and I'm, I won't say what he said. I won't give you the details on it, Ryan. I it's, okay. how far how far how far into it are you? I'm done. Oh, are you done? I was getting ready to say I don't think so. I I think so. The the airplane scene, you're like, holy shit. But I think the the darkest part of the whole thing is whenever you actually find out uh, why Butcher hates superheroes so much. Yeah, yeah. Because that that's, that's you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Like, how? Who wrote this? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's your soul is bleak and filled with blackness. Wait until you get to the ending. Um, we'll discuss it next week after you've seen the final episode. <laughs> I'm assuming it ends the same way that the comic book ends. I, I sat down and actually read the the first uh, couple trades of it. How, how does the comic book end? I'm trying to think of which trade because it, it gets all jumbled up because it jumps around in time. You don't find out what happened to uh, Butcher's wife in the comic books until like way way into it there's it's like the third thing and it's like prequel so it gets a little wonky all right but pretty pretty much the whole thing the whole comic book kind of plays like the show does where it convinces you it's like hey butcher's awesome and everybody goes yeah butcher's awesome and then it's like or is he (laughs) yep (laughs) interesting well i'm interested in checking it out yeah you should you should Immediately. Yeah, well, we're like uh, four episodes left of the last season of Jessica Jones. And Skip we never, it. We never did finish uh, Good Omens. We got three episodes of that to watch. Oh, well, that's that's hard. That's a hard call. Skip <laughs> Jessica Jones. How dare you? Listen, they fucking canceled it. There's no resolution. It's going to end on a fucking cliffhanger, and you're going to be disappointed. So go and, no, go and watch one of the other shows. I think they knew think before they, they were done that they were getting canceled. Yeah. I am, uh, I'm trying to make it through Jessica Jones myself, and it's really hard because now that they've basically announced that none of the Netflix stuff matters, you know, they're like, not only is it canceled, but it was never part of the MCU at all. Why did you idiots think it was kind of thing? <laughs> it's like... Yeah. I'm still really they didn't enjoying even, this season, though. Yeah, I'm make three episodes in or four episodes in and I, I, I like where it's headed I just I like I, I like the whole serial killer angle mm-hmm. like with it I don't get why they made that character fool killer like that character's got nothing to do with that comic book character well, it's real fool killer is so he it's hard to fucking describe he's he's a nutcase that kills people that he thinks is inferior and he's basically like a kind of like an anti-hero villain-esque person who's also Deadpool's uh, psychiatrist okay it's really weird they're weird comic books alright you got anything else unfortunately that was it that's all I watched what about you Doug uh, well, the big one for me was the boys. I did finish it, okay. um, which we've talked about now. I, we, we, it deserves more discussion, but 
we need to have all seen it. Um, yeah, because it goes some crazy places. And it's just like, I can't believe the shit they pulled in that show. And you're just like, this is, if this were any darker, then Zack Snyder would have directed it. But it's like, yeah. I, I, I'm interested in us having a longer discussion about it, but we have to have all seen it. Because it's... I just There's too much there that it's a spoiler. So yeah, I need everyone to see it so that whenever I just randomly scream "Laser Baby," that people know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, that's in the trailer, right? So I don't. The full context of it is not fair enough. <laughs> what else you got? It, um, yeah, the only other thing I watched was I, I watched Jaws because my niece came over and she was like, oh, you know, I've never seen Jaws. Nice. And I was like, sit down. And then she she fell asleep and I'm like, oh, well, looks like I'm watching Jaws alone. So <laughs> not turning off Jaws. I know that much. So it's still the best movie ever made. I think objectively speaking, the best movie ever made is Jaws. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't argue that. Like, I don't know if we need to have a long discussion about it, but it's... I caught part of uh, Jaws 2 the other day. Yeah. I like Jaws 2. Yeah, I haven't seen the whole thing in a while. I only caught, like, 20 minutes of of it this time, but I wouldn't mind rewatching both of them. I think think Jaws 2 is really... It's it's a fun summer movie. It's not as good as Jaws by any stretch of the imagination, but it's quite enjoyable. I even like 3, to be totally honest. You have to get your head around the bad effects in three, but well, that's because it was in three D. Exactly. I saw that shit in the theater. I was five and freaked the fuck out because I thought the shark was coming at me. Yeah. You know, so that's we had to go out, we had to go out in the lobby so I could calm down and then go back in. I don't mind. Like grandfather took me to see that movie too, and I remember that just being one of those like I don't think you're supposed to be doing this. Like I don't <laughs> think we're supposed to be here. <laughs> Do my parents know where we are right now? <laughs> yeah, this was my dad taking me. Like he should have known better. Yeah, yeah. Like, mind you, I've shown Jaws to kids as young as three. <laughs> it turned out okay. <laughs> I've, I've already told you guys that I was watching Jaws one time, and like, it's like I was post just post university, and I was living in my parents' basement, and <laughs> just hear a knock on my bedroom door, and I open it up, and there's like. My niece comes walking in. She's three. She's just like, she just looks at the TV. And she's like, shark. And I'm like, yeah, shark, sit down. Right? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. So all of a sudden we're watching Jaws together. And then the next night she comes back down. She's like, more sharks? And I'm like, all right. So we watch Jaws too. <laughs> and then I think the third night she was coming down on her mom was like, where are you going? And I, like, oh, she wants to come in and watch Jaws with me. She's like, well, you're not going to let her, are you? And I'm like, no, of course not. <laughs> I would never hand her some 3D glasses, come down in five minutes, Jaws 3. <laughs> so. But then you stop, and you're like, there is no Jaws 4. No, I've never shown Jaws 4 to anyone else. I did rewatch Jaws 4, like, a few months ago, because it popped up on Netflix. And I'm like, oh. wow, it's every bit as bad as it gets credit for being. It's just it's so ridiculous. Yeah, I got this weird collection that has like two, three, and four in it. And I've been afraid to go to the fourth one. Yeah, it's have you ever seen it? I saw it once and I was like, Holy shit. The shark literally jumps up so that it could be stabbed by this boat. 
Yeah. Dumb. It it involves a shark that comes to <laughs> New York, kills a guy because it's mad at his dad. And then when they that guy's mom travels to the Caribbean, the shark's there waiting for her. Because it saw her itinerary and knew where to go. And beat a plane. Swing yeah. faster than a plane can fly. So there you go. <laughs> uh, so Jaws 4, man. I'm surprised we're not doing it for the show. It's so bad. No, don't tempt us. No, we'll put it on the list. We need some more shark movies on that list. I've thought about it. It has Michael Caine in it. Academy Award winner Michael Caine. Uh, Mario Van Peebles isn't he in it yeah he's a Jamaican guy yeah you know how much Noah loves those Van Peebles I was gonna say you know what they say about a movie with Mario Van Peebles in it <laughs> it's uh it's on film <laughs> <laughs> yeah I actually now I kinda wanna watch Just 4 <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so bad and they got like original actors to come back, and you're like, "Why would you sign on to this?" <laughs> oh well. All right, was that it? Yeah, unfortunately, that's all I got. The boys took up a lot of my time. Well, I got a lot of shit this week, so. All right. Uh, let's see. We'll start off with I watched uh, "Won't You Be My Neighbor," the uh, Mister Rogers documentary. Oh yeah. Uh, of course, cried at the end. So you know. Prepare yourself for that. Uh, yeah, it's a tough one. It's a pretty good uh, just sort of look at uh, Mr. Rogers and like his whole, uh, not persona, but just his whole like thought process into doing the show and why he did it. And I guess I didn't realize he quit, like they quit doing the show for a while. And then he was doing a show yeah. for adults called like Old Friends, New Friends. And it was kind of the same approach, but more geared towards adults and stuff yeah there's like footage of him like going to a prison to talk to prisoners and just have them talk about their life and stuff like that i know when i was watching it i was like the whole time thinking that's genius because adults need mr rogers oh totally like somebody just teaches you to be nice to everybody else yeah it made me curious i'm like man i wonder if that's like available to watch somewhere um, and then the weirdest thing is the thing that made him come back to do Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was Superman the movie. Because apparently after Superman the movie, kids were putting towels on their neck and jumping off their roofs because they thought they could fly. And he thought that movie studios were being very irresponsible in how they were marketing movies to children. So he decided he needed to bring his show back. And, uh, I'll, I'll restart my television show because I don't like the way you guys are doing your marketing. That's the kind of person he was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just thought that was like super fascinating. And of course there's footage of him learning how to break dance, which is pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's all popping and locking and this kid's trying to show him how to do the moonwalk. So, yeah. I just thought it was fascinating and it's just a great reminder that it's just like, fuck. Like, especially now. It's like, we need, like, good people in the world that... Because, like, his entire life was dedicated to that. And that's what he was really passionate about. Yeah. And you don't get and a lot his, of people like that. His core message that everybody should just be nice to each other and that all human beings have inherent value just because they're human beings mm-hmm. is something that 
is sadly lacking from modern society. Like, I don't think the average person believes that anymore. And I don't know. We need a new Mister Rogers to teach the next generation that. Yeah. Yep. So, is fantastic. It's fascinating. Like I said, by the end, I was crying. Just, yeah, it's a really good documentary. If you want a good uh, nostalgia blast and just sort of reimmerse yourself into what Mr. Rogers is all about. Um, I watched 48 Hours for the first time. Okay. <sighs> like, I'd seen, like, clips and part of it when I was younger, but I've just never sat down and watched the whole movie. I don't think I have either. Um, You should. It's pretty good. It's maybe a little long, but it's not too bad. And uh, it's fascinating to think this was Eddie Murphy's, like, first movie. Because he's, like, really good at it. Yeah, him and Nick Nolte just, uh... He's a prisoner who gets out of... They let him out of jail to help Nick Nolte track this guy down. And, of course, they hate each other. And then by the end, they're best friends. So... What? I know, right? I thought they would just still not get along at the end. <laughs> yeah, but there's lots of good stuff in it. Eddie Murphy's hilarious. Um, i trying to think. I think I was trying to read he may have only been like 20 or 21 when he did this movie like I forgot that he started on SNL when he was like 17 like, oh yes insane so yeah it's a great great watch I think I'm going to try to watch the sequel at some point uh, I'm already expecting it not to be as good but you know I'll still check it out anyway um, so I watched a documentary called Survival of the Film Freaks uh, which is a documentary yeah. done by some other podcasters that uh, Noah has hung out with before. And I sort of tangentially know through the podcasting community. Um, it's essentially just about cult films, what makes a movie a cult film, and just sort of the collector mentality of you know seeking out films that have weird reputations or just seeking out weird stuff in general, which I think is something we can all sort of identify with on this show uh so i backed it on kickstarter and i've been waiting for it to finally show up in my mailbox this week so i gave it a watch um you know it's interesting it's not going to change your life or nothing but hear joe bob briggs talk a little bit about it lloyd kaufman's in there lots of uh independent filmmakers some other yeah, podcasters. in there yeah noah's buddies in there um yeah, I mean, if you're into that kind of stuff, it's it's worth uh, worth a watch. I enjoyed it. And then the last thing I watched is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I was not a huge fan of. Mixed reviews for this one. Yeah, and I think for the further I get away from it, the less I like it. Um, I don't know. There's just some weird stuff that you're just wondering, like, what the fuck? Like, why did... Why did Tarantino just leave this shit? Like, I don't know. I'd have to get too much into spoilers to, to go into some of it, but I feel like there's just like stuff left unresolved and weird stuff that he did for no reason. And, but what it does show me is that I definitely want to see more movies where um, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt play best friends because their relationship with the movie is fantastic. So I just want to see them hanging out and being being like buddies in the movie. Yeah. I'm sure everyone will do that for you. 
It's, it's only it's only like forty million dollars of budget just to have those two in the movie. Maybe they'll uh, they'll work for scale or something. Yeah, I don't know. Their stuff was good. There's just other aspects of the movie that I'm just I don't know. I don't I don't I don't I don't really enjoy it. I guess, and then I'm kind of flabbergasted that other people keep saying it's like the best movie he's ever made. So what? Like, I'm, what I'm not getting here is like, what is it you didn't like? Is it? Um, well, it's kind of all over the place. And I listened to another podcast, and they said that this movie reminded them of Family Guy, where they'll just say something, and then it will cut to whatever they're talking about. Yeah, and I was like, that's actually a perfect explanation for this movie because it happens a lot. You remember like, that time you got in a fist fight with Bruce Lee? Uh, that's almost exactly what happened. Yep. <laughs> like, it's so weird. And yeah, so they'll just randomly cut away like that. Um, if you're expecting to see anything really about Charles Manson, he's literally on screen for about uh, 90 seconds. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like he spent way too much time. Uh, dealing with the backstory of Leonardo, DiCar- Leonardo DiCaprio's character and sort of indulging himself in that on screen rather than actually telling a good story. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's just a big wank for for Quentin Tarantino and, and Hollywood in this. Yeah, and that's... Tarantino has more and more become just that guy who just wants to put stuff that he likes on screen regardless of whether it belongs there or not you know and every actress at some point has to shove her feet into the camera lens which is really disgusting and gross okay since you know i mean he has he's very much well known that he has a foot fetish so he just makes all these actresses put their feet like right up into the camera in different shots i'm like i wonder if they know that he just goes home and jerks off to their feet later so it's just when you know that and you watch the movie, you're just like, why? Jesus fucking Christ. I'm, I'm assuming uh, what, what's her face from uh, Dust Till Dawn just has fucking nightmares about him sneaking into <laughs> her bedroom, putting his mouth on her feet. Right? Yeah, that's what happens. He makes some eye put her foot in his mouth in the movie. Yeah. So I don't know. It just has elements. Um, if and when you guys see it. I think we should definitely talk about it some more. See if I'm crazy or if everybody else can kind of feel that way about certain things. But yeah, I don't know. Not my favorite. Yeah, I was going to try to go see it, but it, it has a long running time too. Uh, yeah, it's also very long. It doesn't really need to be. I don't know. And I guess that's just what bothers me. I don't know. I haven't been uh, been a big fan of Quentin Tarantino lately. I just feel like he's very self-important about all of his movies. Yeah. And especially if you watch this one and they're like, oh, you're just jerking off to Hollywood in the 60s. Great. I don't know if that needs to be a movie. Yeah. I don't know. I'll get to it one day and then I'll tell you whether you're right or not. Yeah. I'm sure he'll probably win an Oscar and then I'll be like, whatever. Who cares? (laughs) The Oscars just is Hollywood. Yeah, circle jerking each other it's annoying it's, <laughs> yeah that's just masturbation too but yeah so i don't know amanda enjoyed it i was just like eh, this is what it is 
but yeah, if you if and when you guys see it, we can talk about it some more. Um, all right, so next week, um, we, we skipping that feedback, you? Do we have feedback? Yeah. Oh, did we just get it? On oh, Gmail. Brian, Brian with an eye. That was one. Oh, this literally came in right before we started. I didn't even check. All right, so Brian says, hey, guys, I know you get bummed when you don't have feedback. And since I played along this week, I'd figure I'd chime in. If you're a genre fan and for some reason you're not a fan of Hobo with a Shotgun, you need to reevaluate your life, which I'd agree with. Yeah. This movie is pure perfection and depicts what I believe <laughs> is what typical Canadian city life is like. Oh, yeah. They try to hide it with all that free health care and legal marijuana, but behind all those Tim Hortons and the charming Property Brothers, Canada is a bloodthirsty, no-holds-barred Thunderdome of a country, and only one man can clean it up. Clean it all up, a hobo with a shotgun. Yeah, you nailed us. That's exactly what we're like up here. <laughs> uh, Record plays this role with such heart when he is not blasting away the scum of the city. With the ferocity of an angry ferret, he comes across as a big old cuddly Labrador retriever. Again, very very sad to see a talent like him go. I can honestly say I haven't seen a lot of his films, but what I have seen him in, he absolutely shines. Definitely need to check out Split Second because it's one of Noah's favorite movies. It's got to be good. No, that's not good logic. We all know. Don't it, listen to them. We all know Noah picks the best movies. So call me ah. dumb. So call right, me dumb. S- oh, go ahead. We can skip the feedback this week. We don't hear <laughs> pro no attack. Uh, so call me dumb, but last night I mentioned on my Facebook post that the intro song sounded a lot like the theme from Cannibal Holocaust. Well, I just realized that the guy that directed this also direct- directed Treevenge, which is a great short film, which actually used the Cannibal Holocaust theme. So yeah, I learned something new. And if you haven't seen Treevenge, you need to reevaluate your life again. Uh, also watched Patrick last week. Really enjoyed it, but I will agree with you guys that it was about 20 minutes too long. That's been on my radar since Tony and Ted and maybe, maybe not, Doug talked about it back on Horror Etc. And it was also great hearing Tony again. Horror Etc. was the first podcast that absolutely sucked me in. Granted, I didn't discover them until later in the run, but loved the show nonetheless. And always my favorite episodes featured this guy named Sometimes Doug. It'd be great if you guys could do a reunion show if to just hear Tony bantering on about whatever and doing Christopher Lee impressions. All right. This is going on long enough. As always, best show ever. Thanks, Brian. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, we were just doing this like one-off like um, Rutger Hauer tribute since he passed away last week, and when I put the uh, coming soon uh, post up on Facebook, uh, someone I think it was Laura or whatever suggested we should do an entire month of Rutger Hauer movies, and since I know he's one of Noah's favorite actors, I said, you know what, deal. We're gonna do all Rutger Hauer movies for the month of August. I believe I called it like How Howard Gust. I don't know. However that works. But yeah, so we're gonna be doing all Rutger Howard movies. 
Um, and next week, let me pull up what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, looks like we're going to do Nighthawks and The Hitcher. So, yeah. uh, Sylvester Stallone movie, where I believe uh, Howard plays the bad guy. And then The Hitcher. Seems right. Where he definitely plays the bad guy. Are you sure? Yeah. Um, so that's a matter that's a matter of interpretation. We'll discuss it next week. Honestly I've never seen the Hitcher, so Oh really? Yeah. It's a good one. Um It used to be that used to be a like Cinemax movie that was on all the time. Yeah, I missed it. I've not even watched the remake. So should be uh should be interesting. i from what I've heard that one's hard to find. I hope it's available somewhere. I guess we'll find out. Or we'll be doing something different. <laughs> I'm sure it's around. <laughs> I was going to say, I did not check any of the availability of these movies. When I put them on the list, I just went through his IMDb, and I'm like, that sounds cool, and then put it on the list. So we'll see how yeah. it turns out. It'll probably work itself out fine. Have either, any of you guys seen Nighthawks before? No. Not to my recollection, anyway. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I'm I'm terrible with names sometimes. Let me look. Let me look at the movie poster, and I can tell you. Uh, it's seeing. got Stallone with a beard. I think Stallone's like the cop, and yeah. Rutger Howard's the criminal kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be any Cobra, but yeah, I think I bought it. I think Voodoo had it on sale for like pretty cheap uh, a couple months ago, and I just. Uh, bought it blindly so it's a good excuse for me to uh, put it on the list for us to watch yeah. oh yeah 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 it's got uh it's got Lando in it yeah Tom Glover's in it no no <laughs> <laughs> how dare you how dare you <laughs> uh, Doug's kid's namesake is gonna be in it have you called him Lando in front of your girlfriend lately uh not lately. Oh. I was hoping there were a big fight ensued. No. <laughs> she gets, she's used to my shit. She knows. <laughs> she's just like, whatever. Yeah. You could have been like, hey, we, we could have named him Boba Fett. So shut your mouth. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.